I'm, the, I'm next. No. Push the button on that. Push the button on that. There you go. Oh, look, Gregory already took care of it. <laughs> ah. Oh, man. Man, what would we do without Raquel, right? Um, it's just so good to see you. Yeah, I know you don't like any of the attention. Too bad. Um, you're one with your husband, and uh, you being here tonight is y'all being here tonight. And um, I'm really, really, um, I know that I speak for everybody that we're just blessed to have you in the house. With what all y'all been going through, man, we have, we have tore heaven up and down. Uh, the devil's sick of hearing about it, too, as we have kicked his butt up one side and down the other. And um, we're going to continue. We're there with you. Amen. Is that true, church? Because we're family. More than anything, we're family. And you got that here for sure. We may be figuring all this community, church, whatever stuff. But one thing we got down is we're family. Yeah? Um, man, it's, uh, man, it's been uh, anybody else going through all kinds of stuff? Yeah. That little joyous nervousness laugh there. Um, I know that for Core Church, um, you know, we've gone through so much. Uh, some of y'all have been here for a while, and you, you, you actually, some of y'all actually went through the, the transition with us. But where we are now as a community, um, uh, I don't know that we would be where we are uh, without the Saturday morning, 9.30, our time, 7.30 their time phone call that I got from Des when we were sitting at IHOP. I had sent in an email to uh, mattgonzalez.com or Matt and Des. I forget which one it is now. Uh, yeah, it was the one with the pink shirt. Matthew, yeah, sent that in the night before. And, um, and I got this phone call and I saw this 209 area code. And I told Raquel, I don't know who that is but maybe, and I answered, and it was Des, and my pancakes had, my crepes had just sat down, and they were hot. I didn't care one bit, man. I said, I told Raquel, I got to go outside. I can't hear in this place. I ran outside, and uh, I don't know, we talked for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and uh, uh, I mean, I know I don't talk a lot. I don't give a lot of detail. Psych. <laughs> uh, I started to just kind of you know, vomit at the mouth of where we were. We were so excited about where God had us at that moment. And, um, and she said, she said, man, Chris, um, I said, I don't, we don't know what to do. My friend had y'all at his church and, uh, I, I trust him and I just, I just don't know what to do, what else to do. And she said, Matt, Matt's calling and our family's calling is right exactly where you are in that transition from church to kingdom and just kingdom. And there was a lot of other words in there that she said. And uh, so then we scheduled a time like a, the next week, I think it was Tuesday or something, uh, to actually have a, a phone call. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a moment that changed us. Because without that connection at that time, and then everything else that took place, uh, and then the, the true heart connection that not just our families have had between the two of us, 
uh, but that their family and you, core church, have had the connection, you know. And um, I'm just so thankful for you guys and for what you bring. Uh, you guys are part of the foundation of core church. And, um, you know, uh, Matt flew in uh, to surprise. Uh, they had, you know, Jehovah Sneaky over here and flew in when we, when we did the whole, uh, the new launch two years ago. And uh, it was just awesome for him to be part of that. He, you know, prayed and set Raquel and I in place specifically. And um, so it's just, it's an honor to have him with us. And uh, it looks like it's all family. I, I think everybody knows who they are. So uh, I know y'all, y'all are tired of hearing me. Uh, and so um, I'm really excited and honored. We're going to have him and Des here. And Peyton is with them. Uh, you we met Gavin last time. He's my buddy. He's my friend. Uh, I'm hoping that me and Peyton will be friends. I'm thinking maybe. We hadn't decided yet. But, um, but anyway, Matt, if you would come. I don't know if Des, if you're coming too. And, and uh, yeah, man, we love you, brother. And as always, you're home. It's all you. Yeah, give me a hand clap. Feels good to get out the cave. Oh, man. You know what? My heart just leaves every time I see you and Raquel up here. I mean, I just, I, you know, uh, we get to go to a lot of different churches, but you don't see uh, the reality and authenticity of many couples many times. It's performance. You don't get to see, like, what you see is uh, who they are. And I just love that about you guys. Like, it was just warming my heart up just seeing you guys up here and just, even, you know, just having fun. I mean, that is like, oh, man, we need more fun right now. I don't know about you, but we need more fun. And, uh, you know, I was just, uh, I was sitting there, and I had this word dropped into me, and I, and I know the Lord was ministering to me about it, but I want to give it to you guys right now, because there's so much transition going on, right? It's that, the, the T word. It's almost like it's a cuss word now, T word, right? Transition. Uh, but I felt like the Lord said, don't get lost in transition. And uh, I was like, okay, what does that mean? Because, you know, you know have that saying, uh, don't get lost in translation, and I felt like God said, don't get lost in transition. It's not necessarily about the narration, but the navigation. And I feel like right now, many people, because we're in transition, are getting lost because of the navigation part. Meaning that it's so hard to kind of figure out what's next for many people. And I want to encourage you, when I'm finding out in this season, is that many times uh, in different seasons, God speaks to us differently. And uh, for many people who are in transition right now, it seems like God is silent. Talk to a lot of people like, man, I had this encounter. I got this prophetic word. But there ain't nothing going on now. What's going on? We're there. Trust us. Been there for six months. And it's like, but God just reminded me during worship, do not get lost in transition. And it's, it's like, it's almost like in the spirit realm right now where God would give you assignments and you'd be obedient, it's almost like you have to take the first step and then he starts speaking. (laughs) It's a little different. And it's harder because when you take the first step, sometimes taking that first step, you're like, well, God, is this you? It's like we want God God to confirm it's him so we can take the step, but in this season he's saying take the step and you'll know it's me. (laughs) <laughs> but that's not what I'm going to talk about tonight. That's just an hors d'oeuvre. I want to talk to you guys tonight about beyond the storm, getting beyond the storm. I don't know about you guys, but uh, 
2020 was hard. And uh, for us, 2020, uh, 20, I said, I was about to say 2020. 2020 was hard, but 2021 has had its difficulties. Anybody else like that? 2021 has been a little difficult. Some of you guys may not. Hey, that's awesome. But uh, I want to kind of tell you, because one of the ways that we know when we share a message, uh, you know, we mean that we really value authenticity. And I feel like there's going to be a real theme going on this week. And as we are coming in, flying into Houston Airport, I just got this theme that really attacked our heart. And uh, anytime I get an opportunity to speak, I always like to speak something that is uh, something that we've walked out. I want to speak from experience. I don't want to speak from information. We got a lot of good preachers that have a lot of information. But I want to actually speak from experience. And um, I got to tell you what, we've had some experience these last six months. Kind of catch you up, and then we're going to go into this. So last year, 2020, we, had, we were part of the Mission Church in Vacaville. We were on staff. Uh, earlier in 2020, things were going amazing. Then COVID hit, and everything shut down. And uh, we had just started uh, our staff position as a, as a family culture director, and basically what that was entailing is that we were actually going to help create family culture within the leadership that would flow into the church. And saying that, COVID hit, and we couldn't really do much, right? And uh, probably, uh, when, when was it, what month was it when the Lord started speaking to us about transition? April, okay. So about April... God starts speaking to us. I actually spoke to Des first. I'm a little hard-hearted. Hard-headed, not hearted. That was wrong. <laughs> Erase that off the tape, please, because that would be used against me. I know some of you not playing. <laughs> hard-headed. And so uh, he started speaking to us about transition, and we didn't really know what that meant. And before you know it, things went really fast. Uh, Des had a dream. I think we shared this last time. She had a dream that her, her mom had passed away. And uh, a week later, her mom passed away suddenly. And so God was preparing our hearts. And then uh, he said, it's time to move back to the father's house. Actually, that's the word that God gave Des before um, her mom passed away. And what's interesting about it, uh, when God gave her that word, it wasn't the father's house. It was her parents' house. He goes, I'm sending you back to the father's house. And we're like, okay, well, we don't really understand what that means. So we had to talk with her dad, and we were going to move back because we felt transition happening. And uh, so a lot of things accelerated, and all of a sudden, her, her mom passes away. I'm at, I'm doing a conference at Vacaville with uh, Dan McCollum and the Prophetic Trainers, the Prophetic Trainer Conference. The first, end of the first day, I get the call from Des, and she's crying. Uh, my mom uh, had a, a, they think it's a stroke. Uh, we need to get down there. And so in the process of trying to get down there, she had passed away. And so we went down there, and it was a shock to us because it wasn't, you know, it was suddenly, right? And then before you know it, we're moving back to Stockton. And we're giving everything up, and we're moving back to Stockton, not really knowing what's next. We just know we need to be there for family because we refuse to talk about family and not be there for our own family. Family's not just a really cool, hip uh, topic you talk about at church. It's starting to. People like talking about family, but they don't actually like doing family. <laughs> oh, boy. But you guys do, because I, man, when, when you guys were up here praying for Sarah, I just, I just saw the Lord say, man, that's what family looks like. 
Oh, okay, I'm going to start crying. I got to wait. So, uh, so here we are. Uh, we've moved back. Give me the, the short, condensed version. Uh, January, we do a Texas tour. We're here in, in Texas. We're doing the tour. I'm speaking. And uh, we're also coming out just to kind of check out Texas because we have some words about Texas. We don't know, hey, we're in transition. Who knows? Maybe the Lord, uh, you know, we're open to going anywhere, wherever God wants us. So we come here to Texas. And, uh, and we get back, uh, when we get back to California, the Lord goes, all right, now it's time to take a rest. And I'm like, take a rest? Okay, we're in transition. You know, uh, I travel for a living. I really, you know, we really can't, like, <laughs> we can't take a rest. What are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. And I had some speaking schedules set up. And also, we get phone calls, emails. They get canceled. And then no one's calling. And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh, wait, this is what you were talking about, huh? Okay, this is going to be interesting. So literally went on a six-month sabbatical. Even been, I haven't really been, I know people see our posts on social media, just so you know, my brother posts stuff on social media for, he's, he runs our social media. So I haven't really been too much on social media. We haven't done too many online things because the Lord said, I want you to rest because I didn't know we were about to step into the perfect storm. A financial, emotional, and purpose storm. And so here we are, and I'm taking a rest. I'm, you know, we've been running, this September is our 20th anniversary of full-time ministry. 20 years. And, and so we've been running hard. We've been really running hard. And so he puts us on on. on on almost, it felt like um, the best way I could describe it, we've kind of been on this uh, almost like fur- furlough, like when missionaries come off the field. It's kind of been like that. But yeah, I didn't know the furlough was going to also require a perfect storm. And so here we are, and we're in Stockton. And on top of that, I'm here I am, 44 years old, 44? 43, sorry. I can see a man, that storm must have messed my brain up. 43 years old, and we, and here's the hard thing. I want to just kind of put put some context to some things. Uh, We had stuff before we left to Vacaville, and God said, give it up. We give up our inheritance. We give up our dream house. We give up everything, so we don't really have anything to our name. So then he says, move back to Stockton. So here we are. We're moving back to Stockton. And we're moving back to our father-in-law's house. I have, you know, a little pride. I'm 43 years old, and I have four kids and a wife, and we're moving to be in my father-in-law's house. That's not going to fit us all. Like, to me, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, God, what are you doing? This is like, it's not cool. Right? So our father-in-law, he builds us a, a, a bedroom, a really nice bedroom. I'm not, yeah, we're not suffering, so, <laughs> but it's really nice. But here we are, right? We're in Stockton. And all of a sudden, I get hit, both of us, with health issues. Uh, I had been diagnosed with diverticulitis, and I had a friend who called me out of the blue. He's into functional health. And he goes, hey, you've been on my heart. I'd love for you to do some tests. I'd love to help you because... I had, uh, during COVID, put on some weight, and I was going on my back of the program to lose the weight, and I was doing everything I can, and the weight's not coming off. I'm actually putting on weight. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So we do all this test, and we find out. He goes, 
when you went to the doctor, what, how did they find out you had diverticulitis? What test did they do? He, I go, well, they did an x-ray. He goes, you can't tell from an x-ray. You need a colonoscopy. He said, you've been misdiagnosed. You have a bacterial gut infection that's robbing, like, all this stuff. I mean, he just went through all the symptoms I was dealing with. And I thought it was just stress. And it was a bacterial gut infection that not only was causing, but also was doing some things in the guts because they say, you're, uh, they say your gut's like your second brain. And, uh, and I was telling Chris, well, man, I got a big brain. So, um, <laughs> and so here we are. I'm having these issues. Des is having the same issue. We both have the same uh, bacterial gut issue, and that's manifesting, manifesting differently. Then we have a financial issue, right? Not traveling. And then here's the second, here's the perfect storm for me. I'm purpose and vision oriented. If I'm not building something, I go crazy. Okay, just being, this is just me. I'm a builder. I got to build something. I'm resting. Try to get this gut thing. And I am going into a full discouragement, even a, a slight depression. I mean, Des is like, what the heck's going on? Right? So this is all happening. Perfect storm. And uh, I want to read you a passage because we're going to talk about getting beyond the storm. You ready? Just helping anybody so far. All right, Mark 4, verse 35, it says this. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let's go over to the other side. Someone said, let's go over to the other side. Jesus told the disciples, let's go over to the other side. After dismissing the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Other little boats were with him. And a fierce gale of wind developed. Some theologians believe that word gale of wind is actually a principality. So it says, a fierce gale of wind developed, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat already was filling with water. And yet Jesus was in stern asleep on a pillow. Someone say pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing, that we are going down? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, shut up, be still. That's, what they, that's actually the original uh, interpretation of that. Shut up, be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. And he said to them, he asked them two questions. Number one, why are you afraid? And number two, do you still have no faith? They became very afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey? Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, that's the most important prayer sometimes you can do. So here we are. I'm going through this perfect storm, and I'm like, God, do you remember me? Do you even know my address? Do you know what I'm going through? Have you forgotten about me? Here is Jesus with the disciples, a passage that many people have taught. Maybe you've heard the sermons on it, and the disciples are here, and it says this. We have in this whole chapter Jesus talking about parables. The first time he started talking about parables, and it says he's talking about all these parables, and it was a whole day, right? 
after he's preaching and after he's ministered to everybody, he tells the disciples, we are going over, we're crossing the night. What's interesting about that is that most people who would cross over, would do it, do it, they would actually cross over during the day. But Jesus said, no, we're going at night. And here's the thing. Jesus just got done ministering. Matter of fact, when it says, he, it says in Scripture, it says, and he went as he is. I always was kind of like, what does that mean, and he went as he is? Basically, it means he was dirty and he was tired and they took him. He wasn't even ready to go. He just said, we got to go. He didn't even get to change. Matter of fact, he didn't even have a sash that they would put over to keep him warm in the boat. He didn't have that. So here he is. He's going. And his disciples are taking him. And he gives the disciples a promise. We're crossing over. Okay. We are crossing. We're going to go. We're going to cross over. He gave them a promise. They didn't see and understand that it was a promise. He's sleeping. The disciples knew that Jesus was with them, but he didn't seem to be concerned about them. <laughs> Here he is. He's sleeping. You ever been in a situation of difficulty where it seems like he's not paying attention or helping? See, this is what I know about storms. And I found this to be true even this year. Storms will show you who Jesus is. It'll show you who you are, but it'll also show you who your real friends are. See, in this last season, I found out who my real friends are. Not just the social media ones, the real ones, the ride and die ones. So here we are, perfect storm. Jesus takes the disciple right into a storm. And you know what I've learned? Success is for your pleasure, but mistakes are for your learning. <laughs> See, success is for your pleasure, but mistakes are always for your learning. Because <laughs> in life, you live life looking forward, but you understand it looking back. I'm going to say that again. See, you live life looking forward, but you understand it looking back. And for us, God told us that this was back to the future. That we were going to learn about our future by going back. And I'm convinced that even some of the prophets last year missed it because they were trying to look forward to who the next president, who this, all that. When God was, it's a season where he's not looking forward. He's actually trying to get us back to look at our past. Oh, boy. I don't know if you got that. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. So here are the disciples. They had a promise. Let's go on the other side. Yet in the midst of the storm, they forgot the promise. Can I tell you something? Don't ever forget in the dark what God told you in the light. Oh, don't forget in the dark what he told you in the light. He told them in the light, we're going to the other side. But yet in the darkness of the storm, they forgot. Oh, I'm about to preach tonight, y'all. <laughs> Here's another thing I've learned. Don't ever judge yourself in the middle of a storm because you will say and think things in the storm that you do not mean. God doesn't judge you. You shouldn't judge yourself. My preaching tonight. 
tell you something. The kingdom of God is not in crisis, even though we may be. The kingdom of God is never in crisis, even though we may be. And I've learned that some people demise happens according to what they believe by what they're going through. <laughs> I've learned that some people's demise are what they truly believe is manifested by what they go through. See, going through the toughest time of my life and asking God, do you know where I live? Do you know that I'm going through? Do you know my address? Do you even care? Maybe you feel like that tonight. God, you there? You gave us that word to bring us here, but where'd you go? It's like the phone line's dead. What's going on? But I want to remind you tonight, Joseph, here's some reminders that has been helping me in this season that God had to remind me. Joseph spent 13 years in prison wondering, did God forget him? Yet in one hour, he went from a prisoner to a prime minister. In one hour. Must I remind you, Moses, 40 years in the wilderness as a fugitive shepherd and a man of great potential. And he thinks he's washed up. But overnight, oh boy, I'm about to preach. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness as a fugitive, a shepherd, a man of great potential. And he thinks he's washed up. But overnight, he was powerfully anointed and went from discouraged to becoming the greatest deliverer in history besides Jesus. See, the disciples began to lose sight of who Jesus was and what they had saw. But in one moment's time, they went from looking into the eye of the storm to looking into the eyes of a holy God. (laughs) Can I tell you? How Jesus got through the storm. See, Jesus' attention was never on the storm, but was on the other side of the sea. Where a man who was demonized was running through tombs, terrorizing the city, crying out for help. (laughs) He was crying out for help. And Jesus heard the cries of a desperate man. Ooh, I hope I can get through this. This is wild. I'm feeling heavy right now. This is, who I'm feeling some presence. Woo. Jesus heard the cries of a desperate man. Jesus was not going to allow the adverse conditions hinder the deliverance of a desperate man. I'm going to say that again. See, Jesus was not going to allow the adverse conditions hinder the deliverance of a desperate man. See, only those who have been through a storm have the capacity and compassion and power to be involved in the deliverance of others. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. Only those who have been through a storm have the capacity of compassion and power to be involved in the deliverance of others. See, Monday morning quarterbacks and social media thumb warriors are impotent in faith to set demons, people free. They may find some nice advice, but true savers are those that have been through something. I love Monday morning quarterbacks. I love those social media thumb warriors. 
But they ain't out getting anybody set free. <laughs> we got entrepreneurs now. Oh, don't get me started. We got Christian entrepreneurs trying to give you financial advice from their e-learning information, yet they have no experience of getting out of anything. <laughs> oh, I've learned that people don't want to hear somebody that's not been through something. They want to hear from somebody that's been through something that's come out on the other side. The world is looking for that. See, I've learned, and I te- we've taught the students this for so many years, don't talk an inch beyond your experience. Because many times it's going to get you in trouble. See, we have so much good teaching right now, identity. But yet many of us are still walking in identification, not activated identity. See, identity always must be tested before it's activated. You can't own what has not been tested. See, identity must be tested before activated because you can't own what has not been tested. See, self-discovery, I believe, activates identity. But I believe self-discovery alone won't help you grow fully in all identity. <laughs> See, identity must be tested before it's activated. See, Mark 5, I love this, says not only did the man with legions get his deliverance when they showed up on the other side, See, we read Mark 4 in the storm, but going to the other side. But who was waiting on the other side? The storm was a man with legions crying out. And Mark 5 says, not only did the man with legions get deliverance, but it says 10 surrounding cities heard what Jesus had done through the personal testimony of this man. I love what Hebrews 12, 2 says. I don't know if you're ready for this. It says that Jesus looked beyond the shame and suffering and humiliation of the cross and saw the joy of those that would be born again by his blood. Can I tell you, someone with a need was waiting beyond the cross. It was me and it was you. (laughs) Can I tell you tonight... We got to get beyond the storm. We got to look beyond the storm. We got to understand that it doesn't matter what we're going through. There will always be someone waiting for you to weather the storm of your current crisis, and they're counting on you not to give up. See, there will always be problems on this side of heaven, but that means there will also always be promises. But we must know that Jesus is the provision. See, this week I had the chance. Uh, I literally just got back from doing a youth camp for about 40 uh, students and leaders. And uh, my daughter's got to go. It was my daughter Hayden's second camp, but it was my daughter Peyton's first camp. And she was actually old enough to go to camp, but because I was a speaker, she goes, can I tag along? I said, Sure. And we literally had a youth camp from Sunday to Wednesday, 
Uh, I get home Wednesday, Thursday, uh, yesterday was Thursday, yeah, yesterday was Thursday. We washed, packed, and now we're here, fresh off from the camp. And can I tell you what? Last week was the hardest week of my life. I mean, I understand warfare. But what happens when you're under warfare that you do not recognize and you begin to internalize? And you don't even know you're under, under warfare. You think there's something wrong with you. That was happening with me. And I'm like, I'm going to go to a camp and talk to youth? I kept telling Des, I kept, and I, this usually is never me. I kept trying to find excuses to get out. She's laughing over here. Can't go, can't go, can't go. I'm not in a place. I can't go, I can't go, can't go, can't go. And I realized how many times do we allow our faith to be dictated by our feelings? And praise God for an amazing wife that just says, get your butt up and go. Now, I know you're way nicer than that. And she reminded me, these are the future leaders of the church. And so I get there and I tell the students, I have hope because you are the future leaders and you're here crying out for more. And I told them, I'm not going to talk to you like children. I'm going to talk to you like adults. See, because they want to be talked to like adults. Because they don't have a junior Holy Spirit. And so here we are. In the midst of a storm. But someone's always waiting for you to get past the storm. And it was the second night. This precious girl. I don't want to say for namesake. I don't want to say because we're recording. Comes up to me. 16 years old. And she goes, sir, uh, would you stick around? Can I talk to you? So I got Sarah, who is one of the leaders there, and we sat down. And she goes, you don't understand how you impacted my life tonight. I actually talked on breaking rejection. And she said, you don't know my story, and I've only told my grandma this. But I was born because of a rape. And she begins to get tears in her big, bright blue eyes. And she says, not only that, but between the ages of 6 and 13, I was molested. And every time I see my mom, I think she doesn't like me because I remind her of the person who harmed her. And then she says, I watch my three-month-old daughter, I'm sorry, sister, pass away. And I look at her, and I'm thinking, I'm here with a 16-year-old who has more strength and power than I've ever had. That she's still walking. She still is. She could have gave up. But yet, I'm at home in the midst of my storm, not even realize that God had a divine appointment for this 16-year-old girl to not only get hope, but be set free. And yet, I look at the church right now in North America, 
And it's like we have to be reminded. <laughs> who we are. That we're actually kings in a kingdom and we serve. I'm gonna, can I tell you something? If any message of the kingdom deactivates you from serving, it's not kingdom. <laughs> Who right now in this city is crying out that's waiting for you to get past your storm? Who in this city is waiting for you to get the breakthrough you need in the midst of your storm? Because that's going to give you the keys of authority to set them free. <laughs> oh, are you sure you want to hear the rest? See, I'm convinced that in the midst of the storm, that if a person does not own the problem, they will never own the solution. See, we want people to take personal responsibility of the solution, so we focus our time getting them to buy in on the solution that we're giving or selling. We then come off as salesmen, but if we would focus on pointing and painting pictures of the problem, then... They themselves will see the solution needed, and they will own the solution on themselves. But I'm convinced that solutions only, solution focus only will not create faith in them for heaven. Because solutions require faith to be activated. That's why Jesus constantly demonstrated heaven. It was in the crowds witnessing of seeing the impossible become possible that created a faith for them to believe that God can jump into an impossible situation or circumstance in their life. And I, I like Reformation, and, and, you know, we've been teaching our Reformation reformers, but I'm convinced reformers who do not have demonstration edge will lack building the ingredient of faith. And faith is needed for solutions. Can't have solutions with just mere information or revelation. You got to have faith. And can I tell you, faith is only built in times of testing. That's why it says the testing of your faith. Is anybody going through a storm tonight? Is anybody going through a test tonight? You're in good hands. You're in good company. Because that means, you know. If I could, you know, one of the things that I'll, uh, you guys know this, I've said it several times, is me and Des, we usually go through something so we become the message. We're, we're the living, active message of wherever we go. We don't want to just release information. We want to release a life message that brings authenticity and authority because that's where transformation happens. And so we're going through this, and I'm realizing right now that there's so much warfare going on. And there's many believers in our tribe that don't recognize the warfare for two reasons. Number one, they have a theology on the goodness of God, which is foundational. Hear what I'm saying. But yet, they've gone to the extreme that God's goodness is so amazing that I don't have to go through pain. 
I don't have to go through process. I'm going to avoid everything that looks hard because that's not God's will for my life. What'd you say? Yep, it's not biblical. Oh, oh man. Y'all got me. And the thing is, when we have that mindset, we lack the ability to actually activate our identity. So we go around for 30 years with the prophetic words in who we are, but it's never been activated. Because we keep running from battles instead of running to battles. We keep running from storms instead of facing the eye of the storm with Jesus. Not realizing that there's somebody on the other side of our storm. There's a 16-year-old girl who's been tormented, who's broken and beat up, waiting for somebody to come through their storm. Sometimes I believe right now in this season that we, the church, have forgotten. We've been so caught up in self that we've forgotten that the message of the gospel was for us, but not about us. That we've forgotten that he took us out of our pit so that we could go and take others out of their pit. We've forgotten some of the basics of loving the hell out of people and serving in such a way that true transformation begins to take place. See, I'm telling, I'm telling you, something awoke in me these last six months that I have not seen in a long time. See, there was a domestication that I had to get undomesticated. And I found something so raw and generous and beautiful. That up to the point now where I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of all the information. I'm tired of all the revelation. Hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't want it, don't need it. I'm just saying... The world is looking for those who talk to talk, who have been through something, who have battle scars, who've come through something. Every single one of you in this room have a testimony. But then we come into the kingdom, we stop just at that testimony. And that's our only testimony in the next 40 to 50 years of our Christian walk, because we don't want to face anything else. We're like, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I stop. God's good. So if God's good, that means nothing bad can come my way. I don't want to go through pain. Now here, when I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God's going to cause pain in your life, but I'm going to say that in this falling world, we're going to go through pain, but he uses it. I don't know if you heard that. The more that we avoid pain is the more that we avoid growth. Because when you go to the gym, 
You ever heard that saying, no pain, no gain? Ryan knows that, man, brother, if I had that body, whoo. <laughs> That's just like, yeah, if you had that, not play. I'm kidding. I'll mess this joke, joke, joke. Come on, y'all. It's saying that, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> it's saying that you pay the gym not for weight, you pay the gym for resistance. Because you can go to a gym and see the weights, but unless you use the weights for the resistance, you'll never grow. And yet when we continue to avoid resistance, pain, trials, storms, we avoid the keys that actually give us authority. Let me explain to you. You ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. This is a game changer. Are you sure? Uh, no, nah, I don't know. I don't know if y'all ready. You ready like Freddie? Who's Freddie? I wonder who Freddie is. I'm going to give this to you. See, power comes from his name, right? You use his name and the power of God will show up. But authority comes from your identity. There's people walking in power, but they're not walking in authority. Well, doesn't God give authority? Hear what I'm saying. Yeah, he does give authority. The word authority actually means author. He's your author. And the moment you realize who he says you are and you walk it out while it's tested, you gain authority. Oh, I don't know if you got that. Power comes from his name. That's why you can walk and see miracles by using his name. But authority to set others free comes from your identity. And you'll never know your identity until it's tested. So you got to realize that your testing is actually giving you keys of authority to set the captives free. And I'm convinced right now in America, I got, I, you don't know how many meetings last year that we went to that people started manifesting demonically. It's happening again. People are starting to say, I need to be set free. They've sat in church pews enough hearing a gospel that did not set them free. But when you get somebody who walks in and has not only the presence in them, but the presence upon them, walking in authority because they've been tested in identity. Things start manifesting and they can't stay. I'm telling you, I learned this this week when I walked into that youth meeting. And the first night. I was just being me, but I felt something was different on me and God had to remind me. You got breakthrough this week in the storm. You realized who you were. Took help. It took my wife and a friend of mine who I reached out to. And he reminded me, and my wife reminded me who I am. Because sometimes in the midst of the storm, you not only forget who you are, you forget who Jesus is. And so I walk into this meeting. We're almost done. And I know I feel something different on me. Don't know what it is. I could just feel it. 
all of a sudden, just walking around, students start manifesting demonically. Not, no one's preaching on it. No one's doing anything. It's just the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God. That's really what it is, the glory of God. When the glory of God comes into the room, people get set free. You can get healed in power, but when glory comes, you get set free. <laughs> and have we erred on the church on only developing the muscle of power and yet the muscle of glory is so weakly defined that we have people on our watch and people around us that aren't being set free because we're not walking in enough of his presence to set them free. See, I believe tonight, one of the things I've learned this last six months is a whole new place of surrender. And I believe God is asking people once again, are you willing fully to surrender? Are you willing to surrender? Even in the midst of your storm, even in the midst of your trial, even in the midst of all the chaos and the crisis, will you completely surrender to me? See, uh, I believe tonight is a demarcation night for many of you, even before we go into this weekend, because this is a foundation right now that we're going to go into this weekend. <laughs> you know, If you're in the midst of a storm right now, if we could have somebody come up, maybe just play. I don't know if anybody could do that. That'd be awesome. Or you're in a situation or crisis where it just feels like, God, you've gone silent. <laughs> I'm not hearing you. I don't know what the next step is. You brought us here, but now what? You said this, but now what? You said to step out and start this business, but now what? You said step out to do, but now what? You said to move here, but now what? Do you remember who I am? Do you know my address? Do you even remember my name? I don't know about you, but I remember going this last season feeling like the fifth sparrow. You ever read the passage where it said that two sparrows are sold by, sold for one penny? And then in another passage, it says, there are five sparrows sold for two pennies. And back in the day, when you go into the marketplace, it's like they got a bargain deal. They would sell these sparrows. And you could, uh, I mean, I know, uh, hey, I know I went to Stockton High School, but I know math. If you buy one, if, if, if two sparrows you can get for one penny, how many can you get with two pennies? How many? Four, but yet in scripture it says five. It was as if the marketplace owner was saying, This fifth sparrow I'll throw in as a bargain deal because it has no value. And I remember this last season feeling like the fifth sparrow. <laughs> God, am I that fifth sparrow? Yet scripture goes on to say, 
that every sparrow that falls, God sees. In the original text, know what it's saying? Every sparrow that dies, God goes to its funeral. And yet, you are more precious to me than any sparrow. Even the, ne- even the hairs on your head are numbered. Know how I did, notice how I didn't say counted. Why? Because counted is chance, but number is purpose. Counted is chance, but he didn't say counted. He said numbered. Even the hair on your hair is numbered. Numbered. It has an identification number to it that he knows. And he says to sparrows, I go to every funeral, and yet how much more are you to me than the sparrow? Sometimes, even the best of us have to be reminded that we're not the fifth sparrow. That he didn't reject us. He didn't forget about us. He didn't leave us in the storm. (laughs) And one of the things I'm seeing right now in just conversation, it just in a little bit that we traveled last year is that 2020 did two things. And we'll talk more this week, and it robbed people of confidence and it caused them to pick up rejection. See, I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I'm convinced of this one thing that he's here and he wants to bring refreshment to those who are in the middle of a crisis and a storm. (laughs) Because in the midst of storm, he's still Jesus. In the midst of storm, you can still find peace that surpasses understanding. You can still find rest. And that's what the enemy of your soul wants to get you to do. He wants you to be in the midst of the storm and not find peace and rest. Because in Christianity, in the kingdom, is the only place in the whole world that in crisis you could have peace and understanding. So what, do me a favor, just bow your head if there's, and close your eyes. I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe some of you guys, hey, I've been through the storm, I've already passed it. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side. Man, praise God, and I would encourage you to look for the assignment that you have on the other side. Because, Core Church, I'm here to tell you tonight, this community needs you. If one man can affect 10 regions because of his personal testimony, a breakthrough, what can 10 people in this church with their personal testimony, a breakthrough, not consumed on their own issues and problems, but have an ear to the heart of God, hearing the cries of people throughout this city, what could you do? (laughs) Sometimes we make kingdoms so complicated that we can't do nothing. I don't know if you got that. I don't know if you got that. 
So I want to pray for those right now. But before I do that, my brother on the camera, how you doing? You're looking good, man. I needed to tell you, um, I saw papers and you signing papers, and I heard the Lord said there's expansion coming. You're about to expand. Because you've been faithful with what he gave you, he said expansion's coming. And this is where I'm not quite sure, but I see you either... Um, there's something about the expansion of business. Now, I'm not sure if it's the same business or another business, but expansion is coming to you because God said you've been faithful. And the reason it's coming is because there are finances that are going to be sent to you because there's a dream in your heart to help others that he wants to fulfill. So he has to get the resources in your hand so the dream can come to pass. So he says, get ready, get ready, get ready for your capacity and your expansion is about to take place. Because you've been faithful with what he's given you. He's actually going to take from those who have not been faithful and give it to you. And then that's not rude. That's actually kingdom. <laughs> so, Father, I thank you for my brother that not only have, are you expanding his inside spiritual capacity to carry the weight, but you're also sending other believers around him to help not only pour into him, but mentor and mature and raise up that spiritual capacity inside of him to carry the weight of the next season. I thank you, Father, that you are expanding on the inside, what is going to manifest on the outside. And I thank you that you are giving him keys of authority for expansion and to take more ground. I thank you, Father, that you are calling him out into the ocean to step out the boat and walk on water and do what neither anybody could have done for him, but only you, God to see the impossible. So, Father, I ask for great grace on him in this season. I call forth those mentors and those leaders and those fathers that are in this house and surrounding areas that would come in and begin to give the wisdom and maturity and, and disciple the blessing and the gift within him. So I call them to surround him. And Father, I thank you for this man of God. I ask that you would bless him and his family right now. In Jesus' name, amen. This is what I want to do tonight. <laughs> if you're here tonight and you would say, you know what? I'm in the midst of a storm. I'm in a crisis. I'm in a difficult situation. And my eyes have gotten off Jesus, gotten off the promise, gotten off the prize. And I need to be refreshed because I, I am just on fumes right now. I want you to stand up right now and come up to this altar. I want to pray for you because the Lord gave me a promise of refreshing and breakthrough tonight. So if that's you, just sit at your feet, just come to the altar. I'm going to pray for you. This is how we're going to end this tonight. Now, 
know that when you come into this altar, that there's a surrender that takes place and a sacrifice because fire doesn't fall on empty altars. And by you coming to this altar tonight, you're saying, Lord, I am willing to sacrifice whatever it takes because I want more of you. So send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. Send the refreshing. Send the fire and the wind. And that's how he's going to manifest tonight. He's going to manifest on you who are up here right now as fire and as wind. And so I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to lay hands on you and see what, just let, do, just let God do what he wants to do right now because I can feel it. And it is super strong at this altar. Whoo! <laughs> I thank you, God, that we are not out of our mind, but we're actually in your mind. <laughs> Father, I thank you for every son and daughter that's at this altar right now that is saying that tonight this is resonating deep within me. That I'm in a difficulty. I'm in a storm. And I stand here tonight at this altar, and they're saying, Father, we are laying down and completely surrendering everything in this season. Lord, remind us of who you are in our storm. Father, remind us of the promise of those who are waiting for us to get through the storm, who are on the other side like the man with legions, crying out day and night. Those family members, those friends, those ones across this city, this region, that have been crying out for the breakthrough that we are carrying. So, Father, let your fire, let your wind, let your glory fall on these individuals tonight. May the way that they walked in not be the way that they walked out. May they walk out refreshed, rejuvenated, and ready to face the eye of the storm with their Savior and their Lord, knowing that you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that we are not the fifth sparrow, but we are on your mind, even when it seems like you're silent. I've learned this, that when it seems like God is silent in the storm, it's only because he's speaking to the storm <laughs> on our behalf. So I'm going to pray for you guys. If you want to go ahead and if you... If you want to sing and say, feel free. If you want to just play whatever you want to do, girl, you are amazing.